It's supposed to begin a new series of Shirim. Even though it's a specific Sefer we're focusing on, and that is the Derech HaChaim. But really it's part of the bigger series of the Sefer Mara. Now, before we start the Sefer, let's just talk a little bit about the Maral, what he did, who he was, and the uniqueness of his form. So the first point we find is we don't know that much details about the life of the Maral. We don't know which yeshivas he learned in, we don't even know which cities he lived in at the beginning, who his rabbi was. The Maral we know is when he comes to prominence as the Rav of Prague, which is one of the major, major Jewish centers in Europe. And besides for what he was mitzakin is his tenure as the Rav of Prague. We also know of his Piskei Chuvus, his Halachas, which are quoted by the Taz, by the Shach, of the Kulm the Maral Mi Prague, with a lot of reverence of his, for his opinion. We also know about his great Talmudim, such as the Kliyokar, who actually grew up in his house. And of course we know him for his Sfarim, which he left us. The Kisim Maral, on Shas, on the Torah, on the Parishrashi, on the separate self on each of the Moyadim of the year, and then general Svarim of Inyanim, we call Nesivas, he has a Gadash Pesach, and Inspiration Brekavas, which is called Darachachai. The Maral's Mahalach in learning these topics was something of a novelty. We do find other achronim a little bit who have a similar style of explanation to him, besides his Talmud, obviously the Kriyakar, but sometimes the Marsha in Chidushi Agodas has a little bit of a similar style of explanation. But when it comes to the area of Torah, which we call Tamei Torah, understanding, explaining, giving the logic or giving a framework which we can understand topics of a more abstract nature in Torah. So really the morale set the stage for all the later Achronim who learnt from him in developing this body of Torah. Achronim such as Rebzadakakoin, such as the Sfasemes, such as uh, the writings of some of the Rebbes of Chabad, such as later on Rav Desla. And therefore, even though many people haven't learnt the writings of the morale inside, just because it's difficult to understand from his language, but concepts which the morale was mechadish have become things which are very well known, and they've been often given over by many others in his name. Now, what is this topic of Torah called Tamei Torah? So we know the Gemara says already in Psachim, that there's, it defines what's called Sistrei Torah, what's called Secrets of Torah, which the Gemara there says a person is meant to conceal if he's worthy of knowing them. And then there's a concept of Tamei Torah, which a person is meant to reveal. Sistrei Torah, we understand, is the world of Kabbalah. The running of Shemaim and how Kaddish Baruch Hu deals with the world. And uh, that's not something which is meant to be publicized, it's meant to be widespread. 
And therefore the Gemara says the one who is privy to knowledge of Kabbalah is meant to keep it hidden and only teach it to those who are appropriate. It's appropriate for them on the level to learn it. What we've called today pretty much the writings of Darizal and his Talmudim and the Mukabalim who followed after him. And then the second thing the Gemara talks about, which is called Taimei Terah, which is understanding, reasons, that a person can see in Torah, that's something which is meant to be taught. And really, it's not a completely different topic, it's not a completely different subject matter. The difference is that whereas Kabbalah is taught as one would teach axioms, or as one would teach formulas, principles, so it's not coming with an explanation. It's, it's a explanation. It's not coming with something which a person can see a svar in. It's more that this is the way it is and accept it, and if we can work with it, because these are the principles of how the system runs. As opposed to uh, time material, which is more to give understanding, to make it more relatable to the way a person thinks, and therefore a person can connect to it in a different way. And therefore, there is a lot of overlap between the concepts of Kabbalah and the concepts of Taimei Torah, which is today known as Machshava. We found that the big Bani Machshava also had to have an understanding of Kabbalah because really it's an explanation of the system. One needs to know the system. Now, we don't find that the Maral was aware of the Kisfei Arizal. They lived at the same time. He doesn't quote him. As opposed to other Achronim in Europe who only lived a few years later and do quote Darizal, such as the Shlof, for example. But nevertheless, even without quoting Darizal, it's clear from the Maral that somehow he did have a knowledge of the principles of Kabbalah, and that becomes the cornerstone around which he uses to build or to the concepts that he explains. Similarly, his students, students, as I went through the Darus, like I mentioned beforehand, were people who work with the Maral's principles, but it's together with an understanding of the principles of Kabbalah. I think was one of the biggest experts in Maral, but it was a thin, he synthesized the principles of the Maral with the principles that we know from Kabbalah as well. Now, that's a bit of a background to the Svarim of the Maral. One more point which we need to talk about, and that is the fact that when one starts to read the Maral, it seems that he is very repetitive, and he seems to be saying things in a very long-winded fashion. I th- they said it in name one of the Rebbe's, I think it was the Kotzka Rebbe, that if a person feels that the Maral is just repeating himself again and again, it means not understanding what the Maral is trying to say. And then it, with the language he's adding or he's going over He's coming to say things in a different way, and one has to understand, therefore, what he's coming to add. Okay, so that's pretty much an introduction to the concepts, an introduction to the kind of Torah which we're talking about. Like I said, today is more popularly called Machshava, but really in the Gemara's terminology it's called Taimei Torah. And the beauty of the Maral is that the concepts that he explains and develops on uh, our principles which will carry out or manifest themselves and be true throughout this form and throughout the gamut of Torah knowledge. These are principles which we can understand and see 
as they come up again and again in all different areas of Torah. Okay, the sefer that he wrote, Torah Chaim, is a sefer Birgavis. So there's a minag Chayis wrote to say always the amount of the summer. So we'll begin with the first Torah Birgavis and see how far we get to. So I'm beginning with the Hakdamas and Mechaber, the introduction that the Maral wrote to Yosefa, and he writes like this. He brings the Pasuk in Mishle, Kiner Mitzvah V'Torah Or. V'derech Chaim Techech Hasmosa. Now, the first part of the Pasuk is easy to translate. Ner Mitzvah means the Mitzvah is a candle. V'Torah Or is the Torah is light. V'derech Chaim Techech Hasmosa. The way of life, Techech Hasmosa, is the rebuke of Musa. Now, I want to point out an observation in this pasuk, and that is, the, from the pasuk's order, we don't see consistency. In other words, you're giving a mashal and an imshal. You're giving a comparative to something else, and then what you're comparing it to. So, for example, you're comparing the mitzvah to a candle. You're comparing the Torah to light. And if that's the case, what's the sentence structure of the pasuk meant to be? In other words, are we first bringing the marshal and then the nimshal? Or are we first bringing the nimshal and then the marshal? So let's look at the Pasuk. The Pasuk starts kiner mitzvah, which means it brings the marshal, the ner, before the nimshal, the mitzvah. So in other words, ner is a marshal for the mitzvah, but then it reverses it. It doesn't say the or Torah. It says the Torah or. So now it brings the nimshal first. And that is the Torah is compared to light. And why is this important? Because if that's the case, when we get to the second half of the Pasuk, which way around are we meant to read it? Are we meant to read it that it brings the marshal first? And therefore the Pasuk says, Derechaim Techechos Musa. It means that Derechaim is the marshal, and Techechos Musa is the nimshal, or is it the other way around? Is it bringing the nimshal first? In which case, we're saying, and Derech HaChayim is compared to Teichach Musa. So we'll see, as the Ma'al explains this Pasuk, how we understood which way around the Pasuk is meant to be read. So the Ma'al says like this, Ha'adam ha'shebara ha'shem yisparach al-adama The human being which Hashem creates in the world, Sukasai onan va'rafel He's surrounded by, so to speak, encased in, in, in a covering which is of honor of clouds and Arafel is darkness. And he's, and he's sitting in darkness, not in light. What's it referring to? So there's two levels of darkness, so to speak, which envelop a person. The one is individual. And that's his body. In other words, his neshama or his seichel is encased within his body. And if, if the body is achar, if the body is more physical, less refined, so then it's going to dim the light of his neshama, of his seichel. And the second isn't physical, but it's found stems from the fact that a person is in this world. And this world itself is a place of physicality. This world itself is a certain cloud which envelops uh, its existence and detaches it or separates it, distances it from Rukhanius. 
So the person finds himself in a situation where both on the personal level and on the international level, he's in a state of darkness. And therefore it's hard for a person who struggles to find the way out of this uh, covered of physicality and that way he'll be able to connect to Hashem. Now, the first tool that Hashem gives a person in order to navigate him is his seichel, is his ability to think and understand. Aranetha Maral says, Va'afim zayr ha-seichel. Even if the zayr ha-seichel, which means the emanation, the light, which comes from his seichel, and v'nitzit shalai, its spark, its flash, is lo'ilay na'im, it serves to, show, to, to open his eyes, l'ho'iris la'aderech ha-shi'elech boy, which can show him the way he's meant to go. That'll only help a person in as far as human intelligence can bring him. In other words, the mind that Hashem gives to a person is a human mind. And therefore it works on the level of human understanding. And therefore, when what's the practical for a person to weigh up and understand what's required from him as a human being, then his seichel can be his guide. His mind can direct him, because the human mind can rationalize what's the right thing for a human to do. Now that's already a big step. Because if we, as we saw previously, a person is normally under the influence of his body. And that's one of the levels which prevents him from doing the right thing or from elevating himself. Then the counterweight which can overcome that is his mind. And the person's mind can direct them how to act in a way which will elevate them above their body. But that's only what's negated to what a person can do on their own. And therefore, when a person's directed by his seichel, by his intelligence, he'll know what he needs to do in this capacity of being a person. And what is not going to enlighten him to what Hashem wants from him, which is something which is not in, so to speak, the range of a person's thoughts to come to on his own. As we find by Klai Yisrael, that when Hashem chose them, he gives them methods to do which aren't things a person would have thought of in logic. They're coming from Akkadish Baruch's perspective of his understanding of what is needed to attack in the world. And that's what he instructs us to do, but that's not something which we would have understood from our point of view. The Kuzari, in the beginning of Shara Shlishi, goes the same route, and he also explains that there are those mitzvahs which every human being is obligated in because they're logical, and therefore because human morality or fairness demands a person acts a certain way, that's a responsibility which he has, even without being given these specific things as a mitzvah. He gives example of don't murder and don't steal. Just the two examples. He also gives example of kibbutz aim. But mitzvahs which Hashem wants us to keep as Klai Yisrael are mitzvahs which Hashem has to make known to us because otherwise the human 
intelligence on its own wouldn't have imagined that that was a mitzvah. An example that the Kuzari gives is the mitzvah of bris milah. And that means that without being told about the mitzvah of bris milah, a person wouldn't necessarily think that he has to give himself a bris. On the contrary, the starting point from the human's perspective would be if Hashem creates the body, it's created perfectly. And if that's the case, there's no reason to change it. And therefore, we only keep the mitzvah of bris milah because Hashem is regarded to us, reveals to us that it's a mitzvah. And now we know, after being told this is a mitzvah, that really the human body isn't in this perfect form, and it requires the person to perfect it by doing a bris milah. The Kuzari goes a step further and he says that's why the bris is a sign of the covenant between Hashem and Klai Yisrael, because it's the prototype example of a mitzvah which we only keep and we only know about because Hashem gave it to us. And that defines what's different about the Jewish people's relationship with Hashem as opposed to all other people's relationship with Hashem. Because what a person's seichel compels him to do, he has to do even a non-Jew. And he can be held accountable for doing something which is against what's considered ethical, even if it's a non-Jew. But those mitzvahs which come from Hashem's connection to us are those mitzvahs which we only know about because Hashem told us about them as a way to connect us. And now, the morale continues. And therefore, the principle that a person can follow Hashem and connect to Him, like the Torah wants us to do, you should follow after Hashem, serve Him and connect to Him. A person's mind can't tell him how to follow Hashem. A person's mind is limited by the concepts of humans and therefore can't even relate to the idea of Hashem on its own and therefore definitely wouldn't be able to explain to a person how he's meant to follow Hashem. How is it possible? Because a person's mind is only able to choose for a person what's the appropriate choice for him in in the in the backdrop of the fact that he's a person, and therefore, as a person, his mind can think what would be better for this person to do. But it's being dealt with only in terms of human beings, which I can understand, I can relate to. The idea that those things which bring a person closer to Hashem and those things which distance a person from Hashem and that those things which by doing them a person will get to the stage where he can be completely connected to Hashem That's something which intelligence on its own can't tell a person, and therefore Hashem Himself has to tell us what to do in order to get close to Him. Now, so for the Maral said this on a simple level. And he said that 
a human brain can only work in reference of things that the human brain is aware of. Something which is coming from a different place, from a higher source. It's not something which is in the realm of human intelligence. And therefore, if a person had to think, what can I do which will bring me closer to Hashem? Being as he doesn't know the context of what makes the person closer to Hashem on his own, therefore, he's not going to be able to answer that question. But HaKadosh Baruch obviously, who does know what's going to make us closer to him, so therefore he can give us those mitzvahs, and he can tell us that by following these mitzvahs, that's what's going to make a person closer to him, and that's what we gain from the mitzvahs. And therefore he says, the night which can illuminate this darkness which a person is sitting in, that's a Torah in the mitzvahs. And that's what it means when the Torah compares a mitzvah to a candle and a Torah to light. The way they're working as a candle is they're working to dispel the darkness around the person. And therefore, we have one level of mitzvah, which is like a candle, we have a level of Torah, which is like, like light, but either way around, a light or a candle are there to take away the darkness. And the darkness we're talking about is the person's lack of understanding or lack of knowledge how to get close to Hashem. The mitzvahs and the Torah provide a person with that clarity of what he needs to do in order to get closer to Hashem. That's the light he's referring to. Why is the mitzvah compared to a candle? Because just like a candle, the mitzvah's light isn't a complete light without the body. The light connects to the person. Just like a candle is the fire connected to the wick and connected to the oil and connected to the clay which is holding the oil. When it comes to a candle, you're not going to get a fire burning without all those factors. We need, firstly, something to hold the fuel. We call it the clay. We need whatever's going to fuel the fire. We'll call it the oil. We need a wick which connects the fuel to the fire and then we need the flame. And therefore, the, the candle will burn and provide light if it's connected to all those components because together they can ensure that there will be a flame, burn, a flame which can burn. As opposed to R, which is light in its own sense. So that's the case. We're not talking about light as attached to and being fueled by a candle. We're talking about light in the, in the sense that it's providing light. It doesn't need this whole apparatus in order to help it burn. And that's the case, the mitzvah is compared to a candle. And if you think about it, we see a similar concept. The connection of the person is doing the action. And the mitzvah which is being done is a very similar setup. In order to do mitzvahs, firstly, a person needs to have a physical body. His body is the kli. You can't do something without the organs to do it. A person can't put on fill if he doesn't have an arm. You can't blow a shape if he doesn't have ears to hear. But the, the body therefore becomes the kli, which enables the person to do the mitzvahs. The shaman, the shaman, the, the oil which is being burnt, is the life that a person has. Hashem gives life to his body, and now he can use that life to do mitzvahs with it. 
And yes, the time he spends doing a mitzvah is time which is used from his life, just like the oil which feeds the flame, the oil gets used up. And then we have the psilla, which is the wick. And then psilla is the connection point in a person which bridges the gap between his body and the physical things he does and the mitzvah, the spirituality which is coming about as a result. And the result, the ruchness, or the R which he calls, which is brought into being by the mitzvah that a person does, is like the nair, is like the candle on top. Yes, a person's activities, if it's not a mitzvah, won't light a candle. But at the same time, the fact is a mitzvah to do. It's not going to cause that light to, to come forth if a person doesn't do the action which is needed of the mitzvah. And therefore, the doing of a mitzvah is similar to connecting the container and the oil and the wick and the light. But I'll say more than this. The word for a person's, the point in a person which can connect his body to ruchnius, or if you want to say other words, the lowest level of ruchnius in a person, the interface between physical action and spiritual result is a person's nefesh. And Chazal say that nefesh is the Rosh Tavis. It's an acronym for the words Ner Psilo Shemin. The fire, the wick, and the oil. The nefesh of a person plays that same job of bridging between the mitzvah and his body, of being the wick through which the fire can burn on the oil that's been provided for it. And therefore, the R which comes from doing mitzvahs only comes from doing mitzvahs. The fact that a person is aware of a mitzvah and knows about the mitzvah isn't going to bring forth the R of the mitzvah. It's so only when a person does the mitzvah then that causes, it's like lighting a candle. Says the Maral, It's not an R which is separate from the body as an R in its own right. Which will be a clearer R. It's holding on to and based on the, the, the body of the person. And therefore it's not such a clear light. The mitzvah is the action a person does using his body, using his organs. And through a physical action which a person does, it can connect him to a spiritual light. And therefore, the mitzvah connects a person to a spiritual thing, which which provides this light, and that's Hashem's Ratzon, and that's why it's called the Neh. Let's explain this a bit better. How does it do that? How does a mitzvah, which is a physical action we do, so to speak, cause a spiritual light to happen? So I want to give you a marshal. You can ask a similar question. If a person's in the room and they see a switch and they press the switch and as a result of them pressing the switch the lights go on or the machinery goes on the aircon goes on and you come and ask me the question I don't understand. I press the switch and the machinery works what does my pressing the switch have to do with the machine? And what's the answer? You're right. Pressing switches doesn't do very much. But the reason why we're here pressing the switch is going to cause things to happen is because it's already been set up like that. 
somebody wired the switch to the system, to the appliance, to the lights, and therefore, since it's all already been done, the wires are all there, the power's already there. When a person flicks the switch, really, he's now making something happen, but only because it was all set up that that was going to happen when he set the switch. If a person would just buy a switch, he could play with the switch as much as he wants, it's not connected to anything, and therefore it's not going to cause any results. And if you understand the martial which I think is very straightforward, so now you understand the Yisraeli too. Why does what a person does here in a physical way connect or have any effect on the spiritual world? What's the one going to do with the other one? And the answer is, it's true. It shouldn't. And therefore, let's say that when animals do things, even if it's something which is destructive, even if it's something which is significant here in this world, it has absolutely no bearing on a spiritual sense. Because there's no connection between the action here and the event that is going to cause any result in Shemayim cause of. Whereas when it comes to the mice of a person, and specifically the mice of a Jew, so then it's different. Because when Hashem is Megara, He wants something. What, means, what it means is, He set up the system. He set up the system. And therefore, He's wired in such a way that if you do a certain action, it's causing a result in Shemayim. Not because you understand the result in Shemayim, not even if you know about the result in Shemayim. But by giving us a mitzvah, it means Hashem has already set up, set up the system. He's already wired it, so to speak. But by doing the mitzvah, it's going to cause a result. And therefore, if Hashem tells us as an example to put on tefillin, we might not begin to understand what happens in Shemayim when we wear tefillin. And that doesn't really make a difference. Like the Maharal said before, a person's mind is limited to understanding physical things. A person's mind can wander in the confines of what humanity can understand. And something which is of a non-physical nature or beyond the scope of human intelligence, a person's mind can't understand. But even without that, it can still provide an R. It can still provide an R because that the system has been set up for us that by doing an action, it's going to have a result. And the mind here is we don't have to understand the result. It's not coming from our seichel. It's coming from our maise. And this obviously only applies to mitzvahs. If a person decides now and they're going to do something else, a new action, it's not going to have any result. It hasn't, Hashem didn't wire it to a system. And therefore, what's unique about the mitzvahs of the Torah is that because they were given to us as mitzvahs, it means that Hashem set it up in such a way that what we do will cause the effect. By doing the mitzvah, we're lighting the candle. And that's the only way to light that candle. The switch, to switch it on, so to speak. The way to, le- to get that level of, of R, of Ruchnius, which is the Nair, is through doing the mitzvah. And by doing the mitzvah, we ignite the R. There's just one more point we have to explain. He said it's not an R Bahir Kolkach. It's not such a clear light. And here we just have to add one more point to our marshal to make it easier to understand. And that is besides for the fact that there's a switch which can go on and off, there's also something called the dimmer switch, which means you can turn it. And based on how much you turn it is how bright the light's going to be. So it's not all or nothing. You can have a brighter light and a less bright light, depending how much you've turned the dimmer on the light. And now he's saying the same principle applies here. The same principle applies here, which means that 
being as the light in the mitzvah is caused by the person who's doing the mitzvah, if that's the case, it's not just is the light going to shine or not, it's also its intensity and its brightness. Because that's going to depend on how a person does the mitzvah. And the way that a person does the mitzvah is going to influence the brightness of the ark. And therefore, we see two things by the light caused by mitzvah. The first one is it's dependent on the person doing the mitzvah. It's not a light which will shine without that. And the second one is it's not necessarily an orbahir. It's not necessarily the clearest or the brightest light. Because since, again, this is a light which depends on the person, then its brightness is also going to depend on how the person did it. If the mitzvah was done in a better way, it's going to provide a brighter light. If the mitzvah was done in a less desirable way, then the light it's going to provide is a dimmer light. And in these two areas, a mitzvah is different to the Torah. Because an R is something which is a light in its own right. It's not dependent on a candle. It has its own source of light. And if that's the case, it's also the brightest possible. Because it's not up to people to determine how bright the R is going to be. So the first thing we learned today, Ner Mitzvah. Firstly, why the Mitzvah is called a candle? Because it's a light which only comes about through being attached to a person, through being attached to a physical action. Just like a candle can only burn if it's connected to a wick. Because that's the nefesh of the person, the nefesh of the shaman. Secondly, therefore, the way, our Mitzvahs can cause this light to happen because Hashem wired the system like that. It's not only it doesn't need necessarily our understanding but thirdly it's something which could be more bright or less bright and that depends on how we do the mitzvah how much the nair is going to be the mitzvah is going to be in there